Well, hi everybody and welcome to uh, another My Favourite Ipswich Town 11 and I'm Mike Bacon and um, well, I'm, I'm glad you've uh, I'm glad you've been enjoying these. I'm, uh, I, get, I, get, I get stopped all over the place asking, uh, you know, when, um, when, uh, when, when the next one's coming along. I mean, I've seen Papa John's. And John's Pizza the other week. I know, extraordinary. Uh, just as we get knocked out, just before then, I'd been in there and uh, chatting to the, a guy behind the bar who said uh, pepperoni. I said, yes, please. Oh, he said, you're the guy who does my favourite town 11. I said, well, I'm not the one who does it. I said, but uh, obviously lots of people do. Um, haven't had one for ages, he said. I said, what, a pizza? No, anyway, but anyway, he, he's looking forward to another one. And I've got a great guest this week, a really good guest this week, um, a, man, a man who I've actually worked with We've actually worked together um, side by side at the same table, you know, all opposite each other. We, we're like friends and colleagues. It's extraordinary. Both Ipswich Town fans, of course. And this this guy's down in uh, down in the southwest. He, he He's an Ipswich. He's a Suffolk boy through and through. He's now down in the southwest heading up. Well, he's not heading up the southwest branch. He's, he's one of many down there who are doing great jobs at the southwest branch. Um, and it's Mr. Steve Mellon, Bristol based. How are you, Steve? Oh, very well, Mike. Thank you for that introduction. Yeah, I um, I don't head up the branch. I'm just one of the hundreds of foot soldiers. We have a WhatsApp group that has more than 200 people in it. Can you believe? Wow. I sometimes okay. have to mute it on a match day, as you can imagine. <laughs> you've been you've been pretty busy down there this season, haven't you? I mean, you must. I mean, going down to the southwest has been quite a favourite jaunt for Ipswich town fans from Suffolk. You, you're seeing plenty on your home turf. Yeah. Um, it's been nice because obviously in recent years, because of relegation and other things, we lost um, the, both the South Wales trips. We lost Bristol City, gained Rovers. Um, Reading's not that far away, but we lost that as well. So it's been nice this season to have, you know, Forest Green. Um, it was a bit like going to Needham Market. Um, I remember covering them back in my very free press days and Forest Green reminded me a bit of that. And obviously the two Devon clubs, although... I didn't see it mentioned much, but we had a hundred percent losing record in Devon up until this week. Since um, since we dropped into League One, we lost both trips to Plymouth and both trips to um, Exeter. I was starting to think there was another curse, but now it's gone. It's good. So it must be must be nice though for you guys down there because you know, as you say, I mean, I know you're massive Ipswich Town fans, and and you know, it's when when you do lose, I, I suppose you know, we just do lose, yeah, you know, lo well, local games for you guys. It must feel a bit sort of ugh. Yeah, there's a lot of people in our branch that live in either Plymouth or um, Exeter or down in Cornwall. Um, and I think it's quite sore for them because they, uh, I suppose for decades, they've been supporting a championship or if you go back far enough, Premier League club. And now they're suddenly on the same level. Um, I, I, no disrespect to Bristol Rovers, when I first moved here in 2006, I never thought I'd be going to the members and the way fan uh, for a league game because I do go and watch them a fair bit. Um, but that's going to happen. So there you go. These are the times we live in. These are the times we live in. You're quite right, Steve. So I call, can I call you Stephen? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to call you Steve. Uh, you do what you like. Um, my my birth name is Stephen with a PH, but no one calls me that. No, no one, no one at all. So I'm not going to start. Anyhow, um, do you get to Portman Road much? Do any of the boys down there in the southwest? Do you get to Portman Road much? I do. Yeah, I've got a season ticket. Um, my wife thinks I'm a little bit insane. That was some alarm going off that I've generated by admitting I've got a season ticket. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't get back to every game. I've got friends that use the ticket when I'm not there. Um, I think this season I've been more away than home, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I get back. I came back to the Cambridge game. I, 
I was at the Oval watching England not play cricket against New Zealand for an entire day. I got a train from Liverpool Street to Suffolk and while I was on the train, the Queen died. And uh, instead of going back after watching us play Cambridge, I went back on the Friday night. But, you know, enough of my woes. Oh dear, what a, that sounds that sounds an incredulous trip, but um, I just well, what, what before before we get into your favorite 11, Steve, Steve, I'm looking forward to hearing what it is. It's a it's been an era of, of, of certainly plenty of players I'll know about, and many, many hopefully of our fans. I'm just going to mention something, um, because obviously this is the Kings of Anglia podcast, and Kings of Anglia also um come from the magazine. Now, the magazine, which um I sort of edit stroke get involved with um which we haven't seen one of lately but it's it's, it's a little bit similar to one you and you very much headed up back in the 90s was it was i suppose started up was it in the 90s that meet, early meet, 2000s. Me, um, meet me at sir alf who remembers yeah that? That, there was fun times actually um i've still got all the copies of somewhere in the attic um yeah that was a really fun thing to work on because it was sort of i guess like a fanzine but not Ooh, perhaps not quite as, as irreverent or as informal as a fanzine can be, but um, I was let loose, as were other colleagues like yourself. And um, I discovered, for example, that under the East England Daily Times building, sadly long gone, um, was a, a photo archive where you could basically go to any date, any game, any incident, and there would be a, a, a packet of negative there. <laughs> and I can tell you that other newspapers I've worked at, that had not existed. Um, so we could just like trawl the depths for nostalgia, um, lots of different players, interviews, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. Well, I always remember, do you remember this? When you were going to do the first one, you said to me, I want to meet you uptown one lunchtime. You suddenly said to me, can you meet uptown one lunchtime? I said, why? He said, I can't tell you why. And I thought, oh my goodness. So we some secret mission uptown. I didn't even follow you. I had to meet you. I couldn't follow you up, up, up at Lower Brook Street. I had to meet you separate. And when we got there, you, you had this idea that was going to, to, to take on. You said, could I get hold of Kieran Dyer, who I know quite well, to do the opening main main interview for the opening mag and we did and it was great and it was a lovely magazine brilliant i've got some of them as, as well still and then kings of anglia uh, magazines that I, I obviously edit that but a lot of ideas i got from steve because steve had as a meet me at south was a, a very popular thing right so that's magazines kings of anglia and meet me at south let's now get on to steve mellon and he's bleeping alarm in the background and i don't know what have you done there what, what have you set off shall i go and it's the washing machine so it's gonna it's gonna keep doing it i'm gonna go and stop it Quickly go and stop the washing machine and you'll be back in like one minute. I can carry on talking. Steve Mellon here is, uh, is, is just going to turn off his washing machine. I mean, what he was doing, putting it on in the first place, I have no idea. Um, when he knew he was doing this extremely important interview. But um, no, uh, I'm glad you joined us. I said we'll meet me at uh, my favourite British Town 11s. And uh, oh, he's back already. So there you go. That didn't take too long. It's right, Steve. Time. So, right. You've been a British Town fan since, for, since how long? Uh, my first game in person was 1988. So um, I think I've got three older brothers and they're all Ipswich fans. Um, and so I always, I guess, knew from a young age that that was my team by birth because I was born in Ipswich. But that was my first game. Excellent. Right. OK, then. So that, the era is going to be roughly 90s into the present day, I assume. So, uh, right. So, Steve, anyway, well, look, some people have formations, some people don't. I don't know what you've done here. I don't know what your team is. Give me a little overview of your formation, perhaps, and then go straight into your goalkeeper, Steve. It's 3-5-2, um, not because I like that formation or I think it works with these players, but I, it, it enabled me to shoehorn all my favourites in. 
Um, there were players that I remembered wrongly were right backs when they were in fact left backs and, and things like that. Anyway, so the goalie is Richard Wright. Um, having said my era, uh, you know, 1988 to present day, that's probably not a surprise. Um, obviously, when I started watching, the first successful team I saw was the 91-92 promotion. That was Craig Forrest in goal, but Richard Wright, which is the special keeper. Um, I don't know if some fans may remember this, that when Arsenal bought him off us, it was basically based on one game at Highbury. Well, mm. that seems to have clinched it for Arsene Wenger. And I was at that game. They beat us 1-0, but it should have been about 8-0. And he was just, it was like he had a force field around the goal. And um, I was in the away end and I could, the Arsenal, it took them a while to break us down. I think it was a second half goal. And the Arsenal fans in the US were getting increasingly like it's going to be one of those days. A bit like us v Cheltenham the other day. Um, but he was incredible. And then you think about the playoff final. Um, it often doesn't get included in the highlights reels, maybe because there's so much else happened in the game. But he obviously saved a penalty just before half time. Yeah. And um, I think having been through all the playoff pain we'd been through, I often wonder what might have happened in that game if Barnsley had scored scored that penalty. Um, then, of course, he went on to play for England. Um, and then we we really missed him when he went. And we had that sort of horrible season where Matteo Cerrini and Andy Marshall took it in turns between the sticks. And we lost so many games that we really shouldn't have. But that, that team should have stayed up that season, especially on that run after Christmas we put together. But so, yeah, Richard Wright is head and shoulders above the other keepers in my era. He was a really good keeper. I think a lot of people forget. And at Barnsley, you're absolutely right. They show the highlights of Wembley 2000 of Marcus Stewart, bless him, and Richard Naylor and Mogger and all this. And no, really, you already see Richard Rice saving a penalty at such a crucial stage. But great. I, I think What's, I'm right in saying that he saved a penalty on his England debut as well. I might be making that up. But. I think he did. I think he gave I think he gave it away as well. Didn't he, didn't he give yeah, away the penalty maybe. and then got up and saved it? Yeah, I think that was against... Was against Moltres, I can't remember the team, but anyway, I think it was something he did. You're right, he did say a penalty's England debut, so right, great goal. Isn't keeper. he still? Is he still? Um, wasn't he like on the books at Manchester City for years? He still is, I think. I think, <laughs> I think Richard is still. I think Richard, I'm sure I saw him in the um, in the presentation ceremony last season when they're presenting when Pep and, and his huge squad of physios and coaches all came out, must be 104 of them, and um, and, and I'm, I'm sure Wrighty was there. Um, great guy. That, I really he's like the John Terry of this generation. He's yeah. just there. <laughs> he's just brilliant. I, I, I love Rich. He's, he was great. He was always easy to interview and great fun to be with and a good local lad. So great goalkeeper, Steve. So, right. So you've only got three three at the back to shoehorn in your best players. Go on then. So it's um, Tony Mowbray, uh, Luke Wolfenden and Adam Webster. So going going chronologically from earliest, so as you'll remember, and town fans of a certain generation will, Mowbray, we sort of dragged him out of retirement or semi-retirement and um, persuaded him to come down here. And I remember the first, I wasn't really aware of him as a footballer, I think, but the first time I saw him, Phil, I think I was, I was, I was working with Phil Hamm on those of the days at the time. We came up with the very unkind caption of, town sign old man stepped to which given everything he went to do for the club after is, is a bit harsh but it was very funny that was one of Phil's um but he just slotted in he did a job um really tightened up our defense and we were evolving as a team you know Burley I'll come to this later obviously Burley inherited a bit of a train wreck and then slowly over the course of the next few seasons turned us into a promotion outfit 
Um, but he was key to that. And I think the, the younger players alongside him uh, learned. And, and we, we see a lot of this in football these days of players having one last paycheck where they kind of go through the motions and don't really contribute anything or they're injured. But you think about what he did, like the, yeah, the equaliser at Wembley, you know, probably top of the list. But I, I remember he scored an incredible goal at Ewood Park. We drew two all and him and Matt Holland both scored sort of mid-air bicycle kicks down the other end. And uh, yeah, he, he was just a big character. And um, I think as a club, we have a lot to thank him for. Um, so there's him. Adam Webster. Adam Webster um, it might be a bit of an odd choice because he obviously didn't, he didn't really play for us for that long. Um, he's kind of a victim of the Evans era where um, we bought a young promising player should have developed him and held on to him till his value rose, but sold him pretty quickly. But when I saw him play, he was just superb. And I, I remember Bristol City sold Aidan, I think I've got this right, Bristol City sold Aidan Flint. And Aidan Flint was an incredible player for them. I think he scored 18 goals one season from centre-back, including a mid-air back heel as part of a hat-trick. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> And I was walking across a park the day after we sold Webster them, and I saw a mate of mine who was a senior ticket holder at Ashton Gate, and he, he was all furrowed brow, and he said, oh, you've robbed us there, and we've we've lost Flint. And I said, I said honestly, you've signed a Rolls-Royce of a player there. And I saw him again about three months later. He said, yeah, you're right. He's superb. And then, as we know, a certain canny Mark Ashton sold him on for gazillions of pounds. So uh, his his... His flame burned briefly at Portman Road, but mm. um, that's why he's in there. And then Wolfenden, I, I bracket Luke Wolfenden with Flynn Downs in that they've come through at a similar time. And I think both have, um, well, in Downs' case, it's not Premier League potential, it's Premier League reality now, isn't it? But I think yeah. Wolfenden is that good. Um, I almost think he's he's too good because sometimes he, he does have a mistake in him because he probably thinks, I don't know, well... I'm not going to put thoughts in his head, but I wonder if he thinks the game's too easy at this level. But he's just great to watch when he's on form. Um, brings the ball out. Um, very skillful player. Good defender. So it'd be those three, yeah. Remember, I have waded through some dross of defenders in my time <laughs> since 1988. I don't want to name any of them, but... No, no, no. Don't offend. I, 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 I must confess, I do like that. those three. I think that's three terrific choices. I mean, Mogger always liked. I mean, he, as you say, he was such a huge character. I always remember him having a go at Kieran Dyer once for throwing his fan mail on the floor in the dressing room and not reading them correctly. Or when he did read them correctly, he sort of just flicked them away because he had so many. He used to get so many. Mogger say, I never really got any, but Kieran used to sit there with loads. And I used to say to him, read them properly, Kieran, where you're stopping throwing them away but um so he was a great influence in everything that 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 time as you write that's a good point about last paycheck he he came and gave everything for Ipswich and and then Webster and Wolfton a couple of bit of a role both a couple of Rolls Royces really I mean Wolf is still still in the infancy of it but gets better doesn't he Luke I mean just getting better this season even they can um those two can play out from the back and Mowbray can yeah spring the offside not yeah. offside I, I mean I must confess I think um I mean, Webster's done really well for himself and is going to carry on doing so. And really, Luke Wolfden needs to be playing at least the championship. Hopefully, he is with us next season. And um, and then who knows what? Yeah, great, great. Like, I shall back three there, uh, Steve. You don't mind me saying? Thank you. Yes, yeah, pleasure. Right. Moving on. This is a uh, big, this is a well, well packed midfield. Say again. This is a well packed midfield you have here, isn't it? I'm looking forward to this. 
Yes, it's bristling with talent. Um, so the the flying left wing back is Mauricio Tarico. Um, there's a there's a lazy stereotype about non-British players that they they come over here and uh, they don't understand the culture and they don't get into the club identity. So he's a case that disproves that. Um, uh, when I when I was involved with those other days, myself, Phil Ham and Gav Wilding had the pleasure of going to his house um, and interviewing him for for those other days, and he was it always amuses me now when I think back things. Like, I imagine someone now ringing up Ronaldo and saying, "Hello, we're from the Man United fans, and can we come to your house in Alderley Edge or whatever it is?" <laughs> but he in in South American football, the, the 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 players are very much aligned with the culture of the fans. Which is partly why their derbies are so in, in, insanely dangerous. Um, but he bought into the whole Ipswich culture, and he was just a superb player to watch, especially going forward. I mean, he scored some absolutely cracking goals for us. His link-up play with Paul Mason. But I remember, and I always use this example: um, he played against Bolton in the League Cup for us, and he got ripped to shreds. It was, you know, bear in mind he was bought as a makeweight for the Adrian Paz deal. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, "Well, who's who's this useless?" clogger we've got from Argentina and he ended up being sports player of the year a few seasons later and we sold him and it was a it was a really sad day when he when he left the Spurs and I'll always remember that goal he scored against Norwich in 97 um on a Friday night probably the last time the cops would let us play Norwich on a Friday night um and it was to, to watch someone who I knew had decided to dislike Norwich because he knew that the fans disliked Norwich to just curl that one into the corner and the expression on his face afterwards. And I often say of that game, and I think anyone who was there will agree with me, we could play Norwich for 100 years at Carrow Road and Portman Road, and we will never match the atmosphere that night. It was an absolute bear pit, and it's always great when you win as well. And I, I associate him with moments like that and with feeling like that team that had been such an embarrassment when it had, had come down um, was, was going places again. He's a brilliant player, wasn't he? And as you said, I think very much so. And it's, he, he, you're absolutely right. He bought into the fans, didn't he? He, 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 that was the thing. He wasn't coming here again just to be paid. He, he, he understood the whole thing. He's been a popular choice in one or two people, actually, Steve. When I'm, so I'm not surprised. And, and, and that just says a lot about him, really. And, and those who are not lucky enough to watch him play, you missed a treat there because he was, he was just everything you want from a player, wasn't he? You know, every, as a fan, he was everything you wanted. It's true. So complimenting him on the other side, I have Frank Gallup. This is a very unorthodox choice. And I'll be honest, um, I'm not choosing Frank Gallup necessarily because he was the best right back, wing back that I could pick. But as far as I understand it, all the riches we have at the moment with Game Changer and Mark Ashton and, and everything comes from Frank Gallup talking to Brett Johnson or talking to one of the Game Changer trio. Mm. So... When you think about this in context, I was thinking about this. It's been 20 years since we were relegated from the Premier League and we all thought, we all thought we'd go straight back and here we are 20 years later in League One. And I think of all the dross we've had to endure in that time and all, this, all the low... And we've had, well, what have we had in that time? We've had three playoff campaigns, two under Royal, one under McCarthy. And we've had a League Cup semi-final and that's it, really. Yeah. Um, that is it. And... When you look at the, where the club was a few years ago and to where it is now, I know we're still in League One, but you look at the infrastructure that's being put in place, the money that's being spent, we pretty much buy any player we want. I think the only one we haven't got was that crook, Crooks guy who went to Borough instead of us. 
and it's we're in dreamland really and that's all because of frank gallup um so i <laughs> i include him because not because he's playing ability and, and and i know you like an exclusive mike over there the star and angling so i'm giving you an exclusive now i'm, I'm not a fan of building loads of statues but i think we can have one more at portman road here is the blueprint i've drawn up wow so as you can see possibly <laughs> it's uh, frank yallop and he's holding a giant shining gold us dollar and there you can see the people of suffolk um hailing mm -hmm. him um I, I couldn't fit you know thank you frank for putting us in touch mm -hmm. with the um pension fund but yeah i think for for, for what the future holds and for what he's done you know no more no more mold on the north stand roof no more replacing daryl murphy with leon best <laughs> frank deserves a statue and a place in my team so there you go that's an exclusive and i'll um i'll scan this and send it to you mike you can have that wow i'm not i'm, I'm not being fine i mean if you if you're listening to this on audio so you so you can't see what steve made, you go over to the youtube go over to youtube and just watch steve mellon's favorite and look at what he has crafted is the word i'm going to use crafted and and when when we see it erected in the next decade when town are back in the premier league and champions league of course and are champions of europe um then we'll look at that and we'll say yep that was what Steve Mellon helped bring and well, alongside Frank Yalla. Perfect. Frank's on the right. Tariko's on the left. You've got three in the middle then, have you, Steve, for your favourite 11? I have. And um, we're entering into the uh, these ones and the forward players as well. We're entering into a realm of not necessarily picking them because I think this formation works, but just out of uh, absolute love for these players and individuals. So I've got in the middle, John Walk, and either side of him, I've got Jim Jilton and Kieran Dyer. So again, obviously, this is based on players I've seen in the flesh. Now, Walkie, I didn't see him in his pomp. I didn't see him in his 81 double-digit goals from midfield, best player in Europe. So, But luckily, for people of my age, he did come back. Um, and he still contributed. You know, he was part of that 91-92 team. He yeah. played the following year in the Premier League when we um, did quite well, really, um, overall for a newly promoted team. Yeah. And Walkie's great because he... He when I saw him play, he epitomised the fact that really good players they might use a lot, lose a yard of space, a pace, but they don't lose the the you know the old noggin. So he was known for, you know, two things: one, one never missing from the penalty spot, and two making these late runs from set pieces and corners into the box to um to score usually with his head. And it, what was funny was the opposition knew he was going to do it because that's what he was known for. But they, they couldn't stop him. I, and I saw him score so many goals with his head from corners. And, you know, there's been times in our in our town supporting lives when we've got a corner and you think, well, I'm not going to get excited because nothing's going to happen. But when Walkie was on the pitch, you always got excited when you got something like that because you thought, well, he's, you know, and you watched him rather than anyone else. And you know, I met him a few times when I was at the Anglia and then he was just, you know, he's still living in the area, still involved in the club, just, you know, proper, proper Ipswich legend. And... Lord knows what we do when he dies. Um, we have to build an even bigger statue. He was a hell of a player. He was He's a hell of a player, there, obviously. No, obviously, no, no. But he was a hell of a player, and I mean, I was lucky enough to see that eighty-one season. But and so it was great. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Steve. He came back, and he came. He played centre half as well, and he used to read the game so well when he came back at centre half. And you're right. He just. You couldn't stop him. He just scored goals, whatever you know, whatever age he was at, and whatever position he played. He somehow found the net. Great, absolute town legend of the highest order. You know, you fantastic, good, good choice. And alongside a couple of 
couple of whippersnappers alongside him, Steve. Well, Magilton is another one who was coming towards the end of his career when he came to us, but still had a lot to offer. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a weird bit of Ipswich symmetry in that when we got promoted in 91-92, we clinched the promotion at Oxford and he scored for them, didn't he, in that game? Yes, so he's yeah. been around a long time in, in the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, we had we had him on loan, didn't we? Then we signed him. And I remember being in the ground one day and the whole stadium was just chanting, sign him up, sign him up. It was, yeah. I think it was against yeah. Huddersfield and he just destroyed them. And then he he's, he's another one who wasn't fast, but he he saw passes no one else saw. Mm. Uh, you look at that, his hat-trick against Bolton, that second goal, that is genius. The way he jinks in, in and out of all those Bolton players. He wouldn't have had, have had any time to think. It, it's over in a flash, that move, that yeah. leads to that goal. But he just bamboozled them with his skill. It was instinctive skill. And, you know... What, what a game that was, what a contribution to make. And then when he came back as manager, I know it didn't end, it ended under a bit of a cloud, but I remember certainly the first season he was manager, we played some sensational football. Mm. Yeah. Like it was, I, I was living in Bristol by then, but I drove back specifically for the first um, few games of the season and he brought Pablo back and, you yeah. know, we, we were regularly scoring two, three, four against teams yeah. and they were a joy to watch and it didn't last. And I, and I don't, you know, I wasn't based in Suffolk anymore, so I couldn't tell you what the reasons were. You'll probably know better than me. But, um, yeah, it was a shame how it ended with him and the club, but he he made a massive contribution and he was just an absolute joy to watch. And you speak, um, to, any and you speak to any players who... who, who, who I spoke to any players who played with Jim, and he was just inspirational. He just... His standards were so high... You know, he wanted the ball. Just give me the ball. Give me the. See, you, you're right. Today, sometimes football is so much about pace and so much about athleticism and so much about strength, and that people forget that's actually just be cultured and play the football. You know, and he was that sort of player. Jim was that sort of player. I wished his management. I, I think managerially, he, 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 what he was a decent manager for Ipswich Town. I'm, I'm, a, I'm very sad the way it all ended, really, because you think where Ipswich Town were when, when, when we got rid of Jim Magilton. My goodness, he's, he's quite right to sit there and think, well, oh, yeah, look at that. Then that's, I mean, how long ago was that now? 12, 14 years away. I think, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he was a great character, wasn't he, Steve? I mean, that's he's a leader. He was a leader, and, and I think yeah. players around him loved that. And, uh, I and, always, uh, I always remember in that Bolton semi final. Because we'd we'd been bullied by them the year before, mm. and we'd we'd been bullied at Charlton um, the year before that, and um, we'd always come up short, and it felt like the other teams were nastier than us. And I always enjoyed his celebration when he just runs right up into Mike Whitlow's face, and it, it felt like, yeah, we're not just going to roll over this year, pals. Mm. Um, and, and, a, also, and also that semi-final year, that year with the, the the town won in the playoff. I always remember Magilton being absolutely. Adamant that haven't beaten Bolton, they've only just beaten Bolton. There's nothing achieved yet. The final hasn't been won. You know, he was absolutely adamant. Don't he didn't want to be interviewed. He was happy to be interviewed, but don't start going about how great it is to be in the. He didn't want to know. He the idea was just to win. Now the idea wasn't oh we've got a day out at Wembley. He wasn't interested in that. He was just interested yeah. in the next stage and winning, which is what he was all about. Yeah, great, great Magilton, Magilton in there with, uh, yeah, great midfield. So um, and you've got young young Kieran to 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 top it up. Yes, yeah, so um, I I haven't because of the the eras that I've watched the club in. I haven't watched that many what I would say real class players, um, but he was one. And obviously, it's that that romantic story that the fans like, which is the local boy 
comes good, plays for us long enough so that we can enjoy his skills and his goals. And then, um, sure, he leaves us, but he ends up playing for England and he obviously played for England, that Portman Road and that um, Croatia friendly in, in 03. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we sold him, which was, was sad for him and sad for us at the time, the, we put some of that money towards buying Marcus Stewart. So he even contributed when when, when we sold him. And he, he's another one that I just loved watching. Um, and you felt, even if we were sort of being outplayed by or, you know an away game and we were under the cosh, you felt with him on the pitch that he could make something happen that would, would tilt the game back in our favour. And um, yeah, just a great player. And, 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 and unlike say a Jordan Rhodes who came through our ranks but we didn't really get to see him in the first team at least we did get um to see Kieran um playing in, in a team that was on the up at the time so mm. yeah that's why he's in there I think I've told this story before always remember Dave Allard a good friend of mine good friend of yours do we all know Dave Allard used to work on the Pistani in East Anglia Daily Times um I think they went to Stockport once and Kieran scored an outrageous goal I think he went past half the Stockport team and and Dave came back to the office on Monday morning because it was one of Kieran's early games, just shaking his head. So I thought, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch this boy. You've never seen anything like it. I mean, that's Stockport away, you know, probably quite a tough pitch on a tough ground. And he just ran rings around Stockport players. He wasn't scared. Yeah. And he got a lot of injuries, Kieran, a lot of time because he was just battered by, by people. He wasn't, you know, he, he had a hamstring injury, which was not his, his you know, was was something wasn't diagnosed, but I mean, it, you know, he, got, he broke his leg a couple of times. These are bad tackles and stuff. And him, what he, he still got thirty three England caps. Gosh, how many yeah. more could he have got? So it's um, a good choice. So before we carry on, Steve, I like to sort of break at this point. So let's let's go through your team as you stand before we head towards the top end, towards the big goal scorers. So starting with your goalie again, let's just just a quick refresh. So Richard Wright is in goal. You got a back three of Tony Mowbray, Luke Wolfenden, Adam Webster. Flying down the wings, you have Mauricio Tarico on the left and Frank Gallup on the right. And then you have a midfield trio, John Walk, Jim Medill, and then Kieran Dye. I like it. I'd like it. The nice thing about this team already, so you're playing from the back here, aren't you? That's going to go into the midfield, isn't it? Webster or Wolf are going to pick it up and slot it into Magilton and, and or, or, or Walkie. Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from there. So, look, um, I, like I say, I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, Steve Mellon's favourite, which is Town 11 here, everybody, on the Kings Vanglia podcast. Um, and we're going towards the strikers now, Steve. Um, wow. Well, who, who are these? I, I did flag at the start. I don't, I don't think this front partnership will work at all, but I have to put them in there. Um, so, Pablo Cunago is the first. And Marcus Stewart is the other. Pablo, as as, as people will have seen when he came back um, a few weeks ago uh, to visit the training ground and the stadium, it's just absolutely loved by the play, the people that watched him watched him play. Two spells at the club. Um, there there is a there is a division of opinion about him. You often see the the, the Pablo Canago debate pop up on forums and things. But I loved him, and I loved his passion for the game. Um, he 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 came in as very much a rookie as a sort of one for the future, I think. And then um, in that o one o two season, perhaps got thrust thrust up up front a bit more than perhaps George was planning. But um, yeah, he's just such a skillful player. He could find space in the box. Um, scored some important goals. Scored that injury time equaliser against Norwich at Portman Road that, um, that a lot of us remember. Um, scored at Carrow Road. Blimey, back in the days we used to get results against them. Um and I just loved him and his and his his passion for the fans as well. Um 
he's he's another one that that you can't say was a foreign player who came over and didn't understand the, the English culture. And, then, and, the, and the beautiful thing was, Steve, because you're right, he, he, Pablo was back a couple of, just a while ago at Portman Road and, and Andy Warren, who writes for, for us obviously now, um, spoke to him um, and Pablo was absolutely gobsmacked at the reception he got. He he, he told Andy, I, I couldn't get over. People were singing Ole Ole and Pablo. He said, I, 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 was start, I, I thought, he obviously perhaps, he probably perhaps half thought he might get a little gentle ripple of a round of applause from the East Stand or something, but no, he got more than that. And, he, and why not? He was so popular. Was that, where did you get that winner against Coventry, wasn't it? It was the one in injury time. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> that was just amazing stuff. He had some great moments at Ipswich Town. Um, yeah, it was, and it was in an era when, as collectively as a club, as a team, we we were going through rough patches, yeah. um, but he he was the sort of one of the lights in the darkness, really. That's what I'll always mm. remember about him. Um, mm. Yeah, great goal poacher. He was good. And then I have to have Marcus Stewart for mm. someone of my age. Um, I remember when we bought him, I, mean, I was going to most home and away games anyway at that time, but um, a carload of us went up from Ipswich to the Barnsley game where he made his debut. And just having watched that team for, for season upon season in a row, the difference he made just overnight, his his positional play, the runs he made, his finishing. And it, it, it was it was one of the there was no bedding in, there was no, you know, this player's got to gel, which I understand does happen. He was he was he made an impact straight away. And um what a difference he made um you know, to have him for the rest of that campaign. In the playoff final where obviously he um he contributed assist and a goal and then um the following season um which was you know perhaps we didn't expect him to any of that team to do that well to be honest because we'd been told you know that if you come up you'll you'll get battered every week and if you finish fourth on bottom that's success but what an incredible season that was and he and he was at the heart of it and so many so many goals so many different types of goal um just an instinctive finisher and a really nice bloke um and i so I, I worked for the Bristol Post newspaper for, for a decade. And at one point I got a chance to go and interview him. And that was when Rovers were in League Two. Would have been about 2013 and he was on the coaching stuff. And I went up to their training ground and all these players were sort of sloping back in. It was a, a classic Bristol day, horizontal rain and wind. And I said, well, where's Marcus Stewart? And someone pointed and off in the distance was this tiny little figure getting soaked, picking up all the cones. And I felt like grabbing the people around me going, why is, why is this absolute legend of a man who will never have to buy a pint in Ipswich in the rest of his life, why is he out there picking up cones while you League Two folk uh, players are um, shuffling towards the warm? But I guess that's the, the job of a coach. And just to meet him just that once, um, it was such a privilege and sh to shake his hand. And uh, yeah, what a, what a modest guy. And he said, he, he told me this incredible thing. He said, he hadn't got anywhere footage of him scoring that winner at Anfield. He said he hadn't got it and he wanted to show it to his kids because they didn't believe him. So I went home, got my, what, it would have been a VHS actually of that season and got it burned onto DVD and sent oh. it to Rovers and said, give it to him. I don't know if he ever received it, but um, I, I hope he did. Um, and it's tragic what's, what's happening to him now. And obviously we all wish him all the best and cross our fingers for him. Mm. Yeah, he he was just he, he well he as a, a, a Ipswich Town that season he was just an absolute 
It was it was a dynamic season. I mean, it, the playoffs were good enough at Bolton and then the final, but it became the Marcus Stewart season that when we finished. It almost became, seems unfair on the rest of the team because obviously it was a huge you know, contribution for everybody, but he just did so. I think one of the, a lot of, he scored loads of goals that season. What I really enjoyed was when we played Tottenham, and I think it was on Boxing Day or around the week before Christmas or something. It was it was snowing, and I think it was on telly and. And I've been, and he scored one that day. He had his gloves on because it was obviously he had his, he started to wear his gloves by then. And he was just it was the like blue sky, but it had been snowing. And there was what you know, so snow round, and it looked just so glorious. And Tottenham just you never felt Ipswich weren't going to beat them. I mean, they just I think they won three nil, three one. You never felt there was going to be anything other than Ipswich Town. Well, that's where we were at the time with Marcus Stewart up front. He scored one. I think he scored one. They scored two. He certainly got one. And uh, yeah, what a great what you need. Every good team needs a goal scorer. You know, you do need. That you know, he made that difference. What he got, need twenty goal Premier League goals that season. I mean, it was, yeah, terrific. And uh, yeah, we always wish him all the best. Of course we do. And uh, but no, he's been in so many teams. Steve, you'll be won't be surprised to hear from from all age. And the nice thing about Marcus Stewart is he's been in teams from all age groups. It hasn't been like just people who, like you know, who just watched him in their prime. You know, people go back who's 60, 70 years old have have put him in their teams. You know, and, and they've watched a lot of players. So well, it's a great. T- you're going to have to go to this team again, uh, Steve, before we get to the subs and the manager, because, I mean, I like this. This is it's actually one of the best. Th- um, look, between you and me, this really is one of the better teams. Uh, we've had some obviously some really odd teams. Up there. Rob Chandler, bless his heart, he had seven strikers. I mean, which was fantastic. But, I mean, he had you know, no concept of, bless him, no concept of formations, but I loved it. It was fantastic. Go for your team again then, Steve, before you go on to your manager so, subs and manager. Yeah, so in goal, we have Richard Wright, back three of Tony Mowbray, Luke Wolford and Adam Webster. Wing-backs, Frank Gallup and Mauricio Tirico. Central midfield trio of uh, John Walk, Jim Zilton and Kieran Dyer. And up front, we have the slightly odd pairing of Pablo Canago and Marcus Stewart. You, have you got a captain there? You've got a few captains in there. You've got quite got a lot of captains. Who? Jim. It's got to be Jim Zilton. got to be Jim, yeah. I think he would shout for the armband even if you gave it to Mogo or somewhere. So I think just for just for peace and quiet, just give it to Jim and he'll, he'll sort everything out. Um, right, you've got any subs? I have, yes. Cool. I've got, um, if that team needs a goal, it shouldn't really, but if it does, mm. then I've got Ian Marshall and Alex Matty on the bench. You'd obviously have to bring them on as a partnership. And um, <laughs> it, it, it pained me not to have them in the first 11, but their their partnership was, was another one that was a sort of a, a light in a, in a grim era. So obviously mm. Marshall came... Um, 92, 93, 93, 94, around about then, 93, summer of 93, I think. And he had an instant impact and he, and he was he was our main source of goals, but that team was was on the wane. And then Matthew obviously came in the relegation season, the following season. So they, they came at different times and we were a shambles as a club, really. Um, obviously losing 9-0 at Old Trafford and just getting battered every week. But then the one good thing I suppose that came out of that was the following season we had this partnership that just clicked um, and again like like Dyer I suppose when we had them up front you always felt that even if we were playing teams that were better than us that they would they would hurt defences and they would get goals and they, they scored obviously lots of goals yeah. famously Alex Matthew um, getting a hat-trick against Norwich um, Marshall scored in, in Derby as well and and yeah, they were just deadly, weren't they? And yeah. um, we hadn't had, we hadn't really had a deadly partnership like that for quite a long time. We'd had individuals, but we hadn't had players that uh, that clicked. So they have to be on the bench. 
Um, I've got Aaron Cresswell on there as well. He's genuinely a class player, obviously playing mm. at, at, at the highest level in England now for West Ham. And it's only because of Tariko that I couldn't put him in. But um, what a what a left foot he had. Mm. What a shot. What a set-piece delivery. Um, and talking of that, I've also got Mark Venus on the bench. Nah. Because... Um, Obviously, he could play across the back. So if there's an injury to one of my back three, I'll bring him on. And again, set-piece deliveries, um, just a superb player, an absolute wand of a foot. Saw him score some really good goals for us in that first season in the Premier League and in the Cups and that sort of thing. And if I need a goalie, I've got Craig Forrest as a sort of a best-of-the-rest um, keepers from my era. And obviously, um, he, he was often in goal when we were getting battered towards the end of our time in the Premier League um, in, in that first spell. But also he was the keeper for the 91-92 season. Um, so yeah. happy memories from that. And just another 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 all-round decent guy who loved the club and loved the fans. And um, people still obviously talk with affection about him. It's interesting, Craig, for us. I did a podcast with him last year, I think, or a couple of years ago. To talk, He must have had the most up-and-down career at Portman Road you could possibly have. I mean, there he was winning the title with us, and he's an outstanding goalkeeper. There's the poor beggar who'll always be remembered for the 9-0 at Manchester United when he thought it was 10. Uh, he actually came off the pitch and he thought it was 10, but he just totally lost count and was horrified that he conceded double digits. But also, should have been eight. Well, controversy, Steve. The ref let... Um, Paul Lynch chip him from a free kick when we hadn't got the wall in place or, or something like that and then we wouldn't have the record anymore because Southampton we, would have taken it and we wouldn't have had free the Ipswich nine every time someone gets uh, yeah. gets gets close to it which they fortunately they have now but you're right we'd never even we'd never even been there would we you're absolutely right anybody look back on YouTube well no don't go and look at YouTube Ipswich losing nine but if you did if you if you really were feeling sort of pretty oh I'm going to then you watch one of those goals where right the goal yes that's right it's at Skulls wasn't it he just he was just allowed to take the ball, take the free kick with no interest player ready at all, were they? Yeah. Outrageous. I think we probably thought, oh, well. <laughs> what difference does another one make? I don't know what the score was at that time. It was probably about seven or eight. So, yeah, we're probably not too I was bothered. at um, Bramall Lane that day because I was living in Sheffield doing my post-grad and um, I couldn't get a ticket for Old Trafford. And they were flashing the, the, the score alerts up on the big screen at Bramall Lane and everyone around me was ch chanting, we want 10. Oh, so, Oh, it's horrendous. I think I was working on the green in that day. You know, it's just I was with Nick Garnham. I think we didn't. Poor old Nick was myself. We didn't know what to what to think of a heading. Well, Nick was left to think of a heading. I don't know what what he thought of in the end. I have no idea. It was uh, you, you could you couldn't think of words to describe it? Shambles, shambales, or something. Anyway, but anyway, well, that's our mistake. Our mistake that season was to beat them at Portman Road. I think it just made them angry. I think it did. You're absolutely right. But anyway, that was a say. So look, that's that's a great that's a great lineup. There are great few subs there, Steve. And you, but you need a manager to keep them all in place. Who's that man going to be? It's George Bailey. Mm. Um, has to be really. Um, took over um, from the sort of McGiven, right? Uh, Lyle era. Um, inherited a car crash. Let's face it. Um, we had an aging, slow team in an era where. We were being left behind by all the other clubs. Um, and he had to obviously endure the second half of that season when we were just getting destroyed everywhere we went. But he was he was already starting to put the building blocks in place. That, so the signing of Matty is one. And I remember being at the game, it was against Arsenal when he was unveiled as the new manager. And there, and there was just, it, it felt like, Ipswich fans collectively like 
we do like wallowing in nostalgia, don't we? Um, yes. It's a Suffolk thing. And it was like, well, here, well, here's one of Robson's boys, so we're going to be all right. And, and we were all right. We weren't all right immediately. But what he did, with not much resource, really, yeah. was, was to put together those teams that got improved season on season on season. So we sort of nearly got in the playoffs, then we got in the playoffs, then we got in the playoffs again, then we got in the playoffs again, then we got in the playoffs again. And to keep doing that season after season yeah. without much money to spend, and but to do it with a playing style that was so easy on the eye, mm. um, and to sign players like Matt Holland and you know bring Kieran Dyer through, to identify sort of other players that we brought in um, that contributed, and and it culminated in that great day at Wembley, and then finishing fifth and going back into Europe, which is you know town fans of my generation never thought we'd see us play in Europe again. Yeah. And obviously it ended again, as it often does with managers, under a bit of a cloud. Um, a lot has been said about the season that, that we went down, you know, Dale Roberts passing away and the influence that might have had and possible dressing room issues. And, and there is no doubt that that second season in the Premier League was thrown away. I mean, we put together that run after Christmas at seven wins out of eight. And from that position should have been safe. But we were so profligate. We lost, we managed to lose games. We managed to invent all sorts of ways of losing games that season. Um, and so that obviously, in some eyes, tarnishes him. But when you look at the sum total of what he did for the club, um, he has to be the manager of my era. And, it, and I'm glad they've named a bar after him. And I'm glad he's still around. I often see him in the fan zone talking to people before games. Just Ipswich through and through. Um, so, yeah, he's my manager. I'm interested that they named the bar Burley's Bar. Was it Burley's Bar? Burley's Bar, yeah. I'm really inter- I'm, uh, That's a really good thing. I, found, I find that really interesting and really quite warming really because i know i spoke to george 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 is a major sort of i grew up with really through in my journalistic careers edit the green and stuff he was always the man that was there throughout all his time he was always the manager i always went to and and had you know chat lots of chats with really and and i know speaking to him after he left and then came back he, i think he felt a little bit sort of not really not, uh, not overly appreciated really i think he felt he was appreciated but not quite as much as there was bobby robson this and sir Alf that and what george did was extraordinary you know not only did he play 700 games for the club where he did he then came back and got them back to the best times i've had in you know so this recognition of, of the bar i think is just fantastic and it just sums up the new ipswich town that we have you know the, the appreciation of what's gone on before rather than and you got to remember that the, the new ipswich regime mark ashton and the rest they don't know george they weren't here in the george burley they, they're, they're obviously listening they must be listening to people saying you really ought to and so that was great i was pleased for george big smile on his face and uh, opening that because that's going to be there that's there now. It's longevity. It's there now. It's forever, you know. Um, along with all the things we've done with Kevin Beattie and Sir Alf and Bobby, and it's just, it's just excellent. And um, yeah, good choice of manager, Steve. I think a lot of people have chosen him as well. So, well, well, before current, we let current one's not doing too bad either. Well, he nearly, he nearly got in some. Who was it? I was doing? Oh gosh, I've forgotten. He nearly got in somebody's as his manager, but he couldn't quite pick him up because he hasn't quite hasn't quite gone far enough. So we'll, we'll, we'll a little wrestler. But one surprise, Mr. McKenna carries on at this rate. Will soon be a. Uh, people's favourite manager. He's uh, a little bit worried about Ipswich Town at the moment then, Steve. I mean, obviously, um, well, going nicely, eh? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a glass half full person. I, um, when I think of the dross we've had to wade through, particularly the last decade, um, the way the crowds were tailing off towards the end of the Mick McCarthy era, some of the football, the mould on the North Stand roof, the fact that Norwich City were holding academy recruitment nights in the places like Witten and Chantry um it was just you know it was just the club was 
not if not dying before our eyes, it was crumbling. And and at the flick of a switch, I suppose, um, it's been turned on its head. And of course, we're still in League One. There's no guarantees that we'll go up this season. We're we're well placed. I hope I think I think we will go up automatically. Um, but that notwithstanding, the future of the club is in such good hands. Um, it seems to me. Um, I must admit, when, when the game changer rumours first started flying around, um, and everyone there was a, this kind of sentiment of oh, anyone but Evans, and I and I, I looked around at some other clubs like uh, Bolton and Blackpool, and I thought, no, you don't say anyone but the current owner because there are some terrible owners out there, um, and we just seem to have absolutely landed on our feet with this lot. They, you know, you can only take people at face value on what they say, but um, they've got a lot of respect for the club. They saw very quickly, as did Mark Ashton, that the club had lost touch with its fan base and its sort of, you know, its roots. They saw that the playing quality wasn't good enough, um, that all sorts of structures weren't in place, that the stadium was in disrepair, and they've and they've put their money where their mouth is, and that's all you can ask for. Um, plenty of people have come and gone over the years that are not just our club and said, "I'm going to do this, that, and the other," and, and not done it, and they're doing it. Um, and the fact that we're getting crowds of 28, 27,000 in League One. Uh, I, the best litmus test I can give you is that if, I've got a lot of mates with with sort of kids who are getting towards sort of 10, 11, 12 now. And if you go back a few years, they have to bribe their kids to go to the games. Like, you know, if, you know, do we have to go and watch Ipswich? Oh, yeah, but if you come, we'll get Nando's on the way home. All right, then, Dad. And then on 60 minutes, Dad, can we go? It's terrible. And those same kids now, they want to go to every game. They want season tickets. They want the Ed Sheeran shirt. They want the bobble hat. Uh, they want to go to the away games. They want to be enrolled enrolled in junior blues. They want the whole lot. And 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 that is not easy to do, um, especially as a group of outsiders. You know, we're we're Suffolk folk. We we you know, we don't trust people. Don't talk like us, do we? We we, but, we, damn, we damn well don't, Steve. But I mean, you're absolutely correct. And I mean, and you're absolutely right. There's so much that has gone on on and off the pitch i think this is the beauty you've only got to look at the city walk around the stadium you see the players the the, the, the posters that are up the, the ballot you know the all the insignia everything that's been just dressed up the stadium's been dressed up still a long way to go but it's been dressed up there's efforts being made everywhere you, you've got lasagna in the press room steve and you believe that you're going to have to come back um just for just for that but i mean you know there's so there there's so much going on um and the crowds are fantastic but ipswich has a great fan base they always, you know, the history of our club means we've got a good fan base, and and now we need to bring young player, young people through into it as well. And you, you're a youngster, and you go with 28,000 crowd. That's an atmosphere. You know, you're going to enjoy that. Got no far better than fourteen thousand and half the people leaving before the end. You know, so yeah, great days. All right, Steve. Well, look, hey, it's been absolutely brilliant. Before you go, crack on with this team again. I want you, I want you to remember it and say, right, go for it again, and your subs, and your manager, and we can finish it nicely there. Oh, so, uh, okay, so we have the goalkeeper, Richard Wright. We have a back three of Tony Mowbray, Luke Wolfland and Adam Webster. Mauricio Tarico and Frank Gallup on, on either wing, flying up and down. Uh, pulling the strings in midfield, you've got John Warp, Jim Magilton and, and Kieran Dyer. Front pairing of Pablo Canago and Marcus Stewart. And on the bench, in case things are going wrong, you've got um, Ian Marshall and Alex Matthew, Craig Forrest, Aaron Crosswell and Mark Venus. And all overseen by George Burley. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Hey, say hello to everybody down there in the southwest for us. I mean, we've got the support for Ipswich Town is all over the country and worldwide, of course. And uh, thanks ever so much for, 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 for coming on, Steve. It's absolutely brilliant to catch up with you, the, the former Meet Me at Sir Alf. Who will ever forget that magazine? I can't. I'm going to have to mention it again. Steve, brilliant to catch up. Let's hope all our dreams come true about promotion. And, um, well, thank you very much, Steve. And we'll speak. We'll, we'll hope we'll see you on the pitch when we go up, mate. Yeah, I'll be there. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.